Welcome to the On Deck Circle, a weekly podcast setting the table with lively baseball banter from two guys who love America's pastime. Let's talk baseball. Welcome back into the On Deck Circle podcast for the week of August 20th, 2023. Alex, how are we doing this week? Uh, we're doing pretty good. It feels like the season is beginning to wind down a little bit. Yeah, it seems like like the playoff is growing closer. With each passing day, with each game that is played, we approach game 162, and it's all sorts of exciting things for us to discuss today. I'm excited to be able to work through this agenda. Are you ready to roll? Ready to roll. Let's get into our first item. Leading off. And this week on our agenda... We are going to discuss some good, bad, and ugly takes from this past weekend. Alex, why don't you start us off with what you got for us today? Well, I got to go back to back my good and bad because they're related. Oh. Uh, The good came over the weekend. Uh, We kind of highlighted some teams who, uh, I don't think they were necessarily your show me something group, but they were, it was a compelling series, I think, for both of us. The Brewers swept the Rangers in Arlington over the weekend. Uh, They won nine to eight in game one in a, in a shootout. And then they dominated them the next two days. And the pitching was solid for the Brewers in both the second and third game of the series. They won all three. They extended their lead in the NL central to three and a half games, which compared to where that was two, three weeks ago, that seems like a wide margin now. They're making progress. Exactly. And so the Brewers did exactly what they needed to do. They established themselves against a very good team in the Major, in major League Baseball, a team that's been at the top of the standings all season. Um, the Brewers were my good over the weekend, and they continue to, they continue to be good. They, uh, they've won four in a row. Uh, let me just double check that, make sure I got that right. Yeah, they've won uh, four in a row, and so they're, uh, things are looking good in Milwaukee. My bad, on the flip side of that, the, the Rangers. Rangers were swept by the Brewers over the weekend. Shocking. And all of a sudden, in a blink of an eye, what was a two-horse race has become a three-horse race, and their lead in the, in, in the AL West is down to half a game over the Astros and one game over the Mariners. You know, it's like that message that you see on side mirrors in the car. Objects in mirror may appear closer than they actually are. Exactly. Well, it's just the opposite. It, no, it's a, it's airtight right now. The the And we're going to talk about this later in the podcast, but the Mariners can't be hotter. The Astros just continue to be right there in the standings, and the Rangers haven't helped themselves at all, and they've come right back, and it looks like we're going to have a sprint to the finish amongst three teams in the AL West. And so, But my bad were the Rangers. You had a job to do, and you just couldn't get it done. You over dropped the, the ball. Exactly. So, well, my good and bad are not related to one another, but I'll go back to back since you went back to back. My good is Julio Rodriguez. He's been hot. He has been hotter than hot. He has been on fire over the weekend in a four game series. He went 17 for 22. That's hitting a lot of baseballs hard for base hits. And didn't he do something crazy? That all came. Well, he went five for five in one of the games. There you go. Yep. 
he this came the 17 for 22 came as they swept the Astros. So yeah. you're talking about the Brewers Rangers. My good is kind of related in that it's an AL West showdown, the Mariners and Astros and the Mariners came to play. Yeah. They're right there in the AL West standings and a lot of that is due to Julio Rodriguez. I mean, you talk about clutch. We've got Mr. October, we've got Mr. September, and we may have to establish Mr. August. Yeah. Julio Rodriguez has stepped it up since the All-Star break. He's my good for the week. My bad for the week is a pair of people. Notice I said people, not ball players, because these people are not ball players. Are they fans? No. They they wear a uniform, but it is not a team uniform. Oh, no. Are we going after the police officers on the field? No, we're not going after the police officers on the field per se. They do serve some sort of a law enforcement role on the field. That would be umpires. Oh, boy. Now, our faithful listeners know that of the two of us, I am the most compassionate towards umpires, having been a former umpire myself. However, there comes a point when you just, I mean. You have to be honest with yourself. You got to be, you need to take some, you need to take some serious time for introspection. Yep. Two people in particular this past Sunday in, as a specific occurrence had particularly awful games. So in major league umpiring, the called strike accuracy rate is 88%. That's the average. Most major league umpires, they're behind the dish. They're going to be calling strikes accurately 88% of the time, which is not bad. That's average. It's It's acceptable. It's not an A. However, on Sunday, there were two stinkers of home plate umpires. These are probably, these probably aren't familiar names to us, are they? (laughs) I'd, I'd give you a two out of two shot of naming both of them. You know what they should do? They should come up with an immaculate grid for umpires. Oh, boy. Shout out to Immaculate Grid. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what Immaculate Grid is, go to ImmaculateGrid.com and enjoy the baseball knowledge that is waiting there for you. ImmaculateGrid.com. This segment is not sponsored by them. That's just a free shout out. I say, are we doing free promos now? But the two umpires that I want to highlight, Angel Hernandez. Oh, that's a name. Laz Diaz. Oh, boy. Two guys that are just... We've had some bad thoughts about those guys. Angel Hernandez has been out for most of the season. Who knows why? And maybe he should have just stayed out for the season. Uh, He was the home plate umpire for the Braves-Giants game on Sunday. And he just got roasted on Sunday by MLB fans on Twitter because there were several calls. No, not several. Numerous calls that he just totally botched. He ended the game with an 80% called strike accuracy rate. That's a he missed bit. some impactful calls. He just, he's my bad for the week. Like, come on, you have one job. Like, you need to be in the slot, and you need to make sure that you're calling accurate balls and strikes, particularly on the strong side. So when an umpire is in the slot, when he's over the catcher's shoulder, the best angle for him to call strikes is on the inside part of the plate because he has the best direct angle there. Not for Angel Hernandez. He was missing calls on the inside. Come on, man. Second umpire, Laz Diaz, he umpired the Minnesota Twins-Pittsburgh Pirate game. Well, you thought 80% called strike accuracy was bad. Laz Diaz had a 73% called strike accuracy. This didn't happen. Was this the game Dallas Keuchel threw a perfect game into the seventh inning? He was flirting with a perfect game through six innings. 
This was the same game? I believe it was. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, so uh, is there a connection? I don't know. The other thing I saw in relation to umpires, although this has nothing to do with Angel Hernandez or Laz Diaz, I saw that Spencer Torkelson has been the object of the most missed ball calls this year. Do you think he's being targeted? I, I do. I know. I know the article. I know the blog you're referring to. And uh, it makes a compelling case. And I think whoever tweeted it out said there is no proof that the umpires got together and created a conspiracy against Spencer Torkelson, but the evidence would say that they did. Well, and so I, uh, Torkelson, who's been one of the hotter hitters uh, since the all-star break and uh, his batting average reflects that conspiracy. And so, you know what? We'll never know. I mean, but just how many more mountainous pop-ups could he have hit to second base? But <laughs> had he not been rung up on strikes exactly prematurely? But my, your point is well taken. And I watched games all weekend, and I just tell you, there are just so many strikes that are being called that are four, five inches off the plate. Yep. And what are we doing? Like in big spots. We have games being or like, you know, games swinging on. I think there was a I forget the game, but it was a bases loaded situation with two outs and the guy, uh, whoever was up to bat, struck out on an inside pitch that was four inches off the plate. Yep. We got to do something about that. Yeah, I, I get I get the low outside pitch. That is the toughest pitch to call. Because you're you're looking over and, and it's a depth perception thing. It, it's a hard pitch to get. I understand that, but low and inside and high and inside inside part of the plate, umpire should be nailing those calls. I mean, those are easy because they're the ball's literally coming at you, and if we, you don't get your act together, you're going to get replaced by an automated system. So you have to wonder, like, is this a personality thing? Is this them trying to flex and you know be like, you know, this we're still in control of the game? Whatever the reasoning. At Major League Baseball has to look at it in the offseason. We have to do something. Or, like you just said, AI umpiring, machine umpiring, whatever, it's coming. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that leads me to my ugly for the week. My ugly for the week is a guy named Michael Lorenzen. He has been the subject Wait, of our he, podcast before. He was our darling last week. He had a pretty awesome week last week. And actually, we didn't talk about that last week. Maybe that was an ugly on us. Uh, that has to have been. He had a, he pitched a no-hitter against the Washington Nationals. That's not Who the reason for, for his ugly. He pitches for the Fighting Phillies. So I'm going to pin that on you that we didn't bring the that up. Philadelphia Phillies. So he no-hit the Nats last week. Well, his next start just happened to be this past weekend against the Washington Nationals. All of Philadelphia was waiting with bated breath for the first two consecutive no hits by a pitcher in a pretty much in baseball history. And Michael Lorenzen took the bump Friday and proceeded to roll over and play dead. Yeah, he uh, he got shellacked by the Nationals seven earned runs and he didn't even make it through four innings and, and just thought to myself like, you know, I appreciate no hitters. I realize they take a lot of effort. I realize he threw a ton of pitches in his no hitter. I think it was upwards of 120, but I'd much rather the consistency of like a quality start followed by a quality start followed by a quality start than a no hitter. And then every hitter hits. Can we get some consistency there? And, and I think that 
it's not necessarily on Michael Lorenzen. I think it's on Rob Thompson. I feel like that's on the Philly staff and, and probably to a certain extent to Lorenzen. And I think you also have to give some credit on a positive note to the nationals. Like they definitely saw a lot of Michael Lorenzen last week. Right. So for them to come back this week, have studied the tape, have had those experience with experiences with him and be able to respond in like, like a way that they did this past weekend props to them. But that's just my ugly for the week. Michael well, Lorenzen on on one week, no hitting the Nationals, following that up with an absolute egg against uh, against the Nats this past weekend. It's almost a double whammy when you have to play against the team you just no hit because that team's got to be super motivated. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like we're going to come out here and now we're not. This isn't going to happen again to us because it is a matter of pride on the part of the team that got no hit. They're like, we, you know, we're not terrible. And to the, the credit of the Nationals, the Nationals, although not a good team by any stretch of the imagination, they've been scrappy in the second half and they've been playing competitive baseball since the All-Star break. They and have so, indeed. They got, they got some bright stars. They're still a little ways off. I mean, the, the, the top two hitters in their lineup Lane Thomas and CJ Abrams. They've been they've been playing well recently, that's but for it, sure. It does beg the question though, when your pitcher throws 121 pitches in a no hit effort, like do you give him an extra couple days rest? Yeah. Before you bring him back on five days or six. It's a good matter to discuss internally amongst the Phillies organization. Exactly. You're ugly. So my ugly for the week, uh, we're going back to a familiar a familiar place that just keeps man, keeps getting uglier and uglier. Oakland. We're going to the Bronx. Oh, New York, New York, New Uh, York, New York, New York is now 17 games out of first place. Now, wait, is this the the Mets or the Yankees? Or are we talking about both of them at the same time? The Bronx exclusively. Oh, the New York Yankees are 60 and 65. They are 17 games out of first place. They are they are the only team in the AL East with a negative run differential, and they have now lost nine in a row. Their playoff chances stand at 0.2%. So basically zero. Which is almost a whole point percentage point less than the Detroit Tigers' chances of making the playoffs. They lost yesterday 2-1 to one to those Nationals that we just talked about. They were two hit. This is the lineup that the Yankees are running out on a Tuesday in the end of august okay dj lemay hugh lead off he's batting 238 judge batting second batting 271 glaber torres batting third batting 265 that's three batters in we have no one batting 300 we have no one over 280 and then it gets good stanton bats cleanup batting of poultry 196 anthony volpe Batting fifth, batting 215. Harrison Bader, 249. They just called up Pereira. He didn't get a hit in his debut. Peraza, who's been back and forth to the minor leagues a couple times, batting 161. And their catcher, and I don't even know his first name, but Rortvet. I don't know that. I don't know his, but he's batting 136. Has he been taking hitting lessons from Nick Maton? And he accounted for both of the hits yesterday. No way. And he, one of them was a home run. <laughs> That's great. But you're like, that lineup doesn't breed fear on any level. 
No, not at all. And so I think that it's ugly right now for the Yankees. It's going to get uglier because if they have any divisional games down the stretch, they are going to be underdogs and probably all of them. And so we might be sitting here a month from now talking about the Yankees being well under 500 and 20 plus games out of first place. And again, we talked about last week expectations and I don't think anybody saw this coming for the New York Yankees, even with Aaron judge spending a significant amount of time on the IL. Yeah. So anyway, that was my ugly. It's getting uglier in New York. And if Aaron Boone, I almost want to start at the weekly update. Has Aaron Boone been fired yet? He hasn't been as of right now, as of the recording of this podcast. And I don't foresee him getting fired, but by golly, I think he should. All right. Hot takes. And lots of mistakes on the Yankees' part. Yes. It sounds like it's time to to move from good, bad, and ugly to to greener pastures. I think so. Now on deck. And in this segment, we want to go younger with our discussion of baseball. Because right now, particularly over the weekend and, and continuing even this week as we're recording this podcast, the Little League World Series is taking place. This past weekend was the annual Little League Classic up in Williamsport, PA. The Washington Nationals and Philadelphia Phillies played in a stadium that didn't hold even 3,000 fans on Sunday night, broadcast around the world via ESPN. And it was it was a iffy game, at least as a Phillies fan, I felt that way. But beyond that, we just wanted to discuss the the nostalgia and the environment that is created at the little league world series and just some of the cool things that took place in the, in the, in the ways that the MLB players were able to interact with the kids at the little league world series. Did you get an opportunity to watch any of the festivities this weekend, Alex? I didn't catch any of the pregame festivities, but I saw them recorded. I tuned into the game about halfway through and, and watched it. And and obviously it's just an awesome environment. Um, The first thing I'll say I love the stadium that they play in. I think it's it's a very intimate affair. It's very you know it's a minor league ballpark, is it not? It's not even a minor league ballpark. That that stadium holds less fans than a minor league ballpark. Okay, so then it, it begs the question. I feel like they need to make an adjustment to it because one of the things that's pretty well known at the Little League World Series is having that hill out in center field at the major at the Little League uh, stadium where you know you got the fans that will sit and they'll slide down the hill and stuff. They've got to put a hill out in center field that fans can like because they could probably add a significant number of fans back there if they had some sort of seating on the hillside that they, 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 and they could do that relatively easily, I would think. And so, but that's, that's neither here nor there. I love the pageantry of it. I can say just, you know, from personal experience playing little league growing up when you would watch the little league world series, like that was the dream. Like, wow, I could be playing in a game that's on national television at the little league world series. If you know, if all the ducks were in a row here and you can't beat that. And it's just, it's really cool to see for one night, you know, the pageantry of the Little League World Series, the um, the uh, the sportsmanship that exists, uh, which can be a little corny, I think. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. But uh, regardless, um, I'm a little disappointed that they did away with the fun uniforms that they would wear at the Little League at the Little League Classic. They just kind of wore their traditional uniforms between the Nats and the Phillies. But did you see the bats? Uh, Bryson Stott's number two pencil was pretty cool. That was brilliant. 
It's excellent. Do you see the crayon bat? I saw it in a picture with all the bats because I saw one of the Philly fanatic, um, but I did not see the one with the crayon. Yeah. So Bryce Harper had a fanatic bat. Joey Manessis of the Nationals had a, I think it was a blue crayon bat. Oh, that's awesome. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is, I, I loved the the lighthearted atmosphere. It, it, it's, it felt like the MLB ball players were able to be kids again for the day. Yeah. You know, I even saw videos of them like sliding down the hill with the little leaguers and like they, they arrived to the field accompanied by the little leaguers. I mean, what a great opportunity to pass down the love of the game and the knowledge of the game to the next generation. I thought that was a really great thing for MLB to do. I wish they would do it more, do, do more things like that with kids and young people, even just in like the, in the everyday games that are played at the ballparks, like yeah. have that sort of dynamic in play. I think it's a great thing. And like I said, I was, I enjoyed looking at the bats, like specifically that number two pencil bat, the, the Victus, and uh, the, the Crayola crayon bat, that was pretty cool as well. And just overall, a really, really great aesthetic for baseball. You don't really see the NFL kids flag football championship being played and the NFL players having a football game that they play amongst the tournament. You don't even really see that in basketball. Baseball is, again, kind of unique in that regard, the relationship that the pro players have in their interactions with young kids. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. At the end of the day, though, it's still a game that matters for the standings. And I think it was kind of funny that um, it wasn't funny. I don't know how the Phillies processed it. I think the Phillies handled it well. The Phillies are uh, in the midst of a, you know, a rush for the playoffs and they're kind of holding on to the top wild card spot in the National League as of the present. The Washington Nationals aren't playing for anything. They're just playing for pride at this point, which can be dangerous when <laughs> you're uh, the team that's playing for the playoffs and you're playing a team that's struggling. And uh, the teams came out afterwards and in true sportsmanship fashion shook hands after the game, which was which was cool to see. I did not stay up that late to watch that. And so, uh, but it was kind of funny that the, the, the Phillies had kind of quickly exited the field and then came back out to shake hands because they forgot to shake hands afterwards but it it just makes you wonder I know they've they've already declared like next year I think the Yankees and the Tigers are going to play in the Little League Classic however they might have to change that well, given just, how both teams have done this year well it just it just makes you wonder could you pick teams mid-season to play in this where it's like Hey, we're going to like, we're going to, we're going to pick a matchup on that weekend and we're going to have them move the game to Williamsport because we've, we can selectively pick teams who are either both in the playoff race or maybe are irrelevant at this point And they can truly like just participate in the camaraderie of the event. I don't know. It just, uh, you know, it just kind of, I would wonder if I was, if you could get an honest opinion from Rob Thompson, Hey, we're in the middle of a pennant race. We're in the middle of a wild card chase. There's a lot of pageantry and distraction that's contributing to this. And baseball is unique. You don't win play. You don't clinch playoff spots. You don't lose divisions or win divisions on one game, but we're getting down to the point in the season where one game can fluctuate a whole bunch of the standings. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of logistical issues that go into that. And I, I think traditionally the Williamsport game is played by a Northeast team. A Northeast team typically serves as the host for that. So whether it's the Yankees, the Mets, I think the Red Sox hosted one year. 
The Phillies have been up there before. The Pirates have been up there before. The Orioles have been up there before. The Nationals this year. Typically, it seems like it's those teams That's are the hosts. Okay, yep. And the other thing to consider is the host team is taken a serious lack of income for that one game because you're going yep. from 35,000 fans to 3,000 fans. And so what's happening behind the scenes with money shuffling and how teams are making sure that they get paid from that, I have no idea. It doesn't really matter, but I think that would be a, a major consideration that you, you, you don't want it to be the same team every year because every team wants a shot at that. But you also like don't always want to have to write off one home game every year because, well, you have to host the Little League Classic. So yeah, that's a good point. I think I think they announced it a year in advance. Number one, so that people can start getting tickets and hotels lined up, and second of all, just to kind of grow anticipation of it. Oftentimes, I think it gets overlooked just because you know it's. I think it's right up there with like the Hall of Fame game. Yeah, nobody pays attention to it. I mean it. Like you said, it's a game, it's meaningful, there's pageantry and nostalgia, but I don't think as much is made of it as it could be, but yeah. that's just my opinion. But anyway, your talk about the playoff discussion segues us perfectly into our next segment. In the hole. And we want to talk about the uh, wild card and playoff race, and we want to do it through the category of finding out how certain teams are feeling right now. So... I'm going to present Alex with some wild card contenders or division contenders. And we just want, just want the, your feeling. If, if you're sitting in the front office, you're sitting in the dugout, you're a fan in the stands, how are you feeling about these teams right now? Are, do, you, do you feel like they're in a good place? Do you feel nervous? Do you feel anxious? Are you like kind of waiting for the light bulb to click? Do you feel like your team's on cruise control? All right, so here we go. We're going to start in the National League. If you were a Philadelphia Phillies fan, how would you be feeling today, Alex? Your team is three and a half games up for the top wild card spot in the National League. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. Not that like, not I mean, not that you have a stranglehold on a playoff position, but it's because of the teams behind you. And, you know, you have to understand that there's going to be a war of attrition between the Cubs, Diamondbacks, Giants, Reds, and I'll even throw the Marlins in there, too. And are any of those teams going to get hot to the point where they're going to be able to catch the top spot? Maybe. Are they all going to get hot to the point where you're going to be on the outside looking in? I don't think so. Especially given that the Reds and the Cubs are in the same division and the and the Giants and the Diamondbacks are in the same division. Yeah. So I'm feeling pretty, if I'm a Phillies fan, I'm feeling pretty good that we're going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and let's just say this. They are not in contention for the division. They're no. 12 and a half games no. back of the Braves. So, but even they, even, they have no aspirations of winning the and division. ESPN would agree with that. I mean, they've got them at an 88% chance to make the playoffs. So they'd be surprised yeah, if they yeah. didn't. All right. Uh, next team on that list, a uh, team that you just mentioned, you, you've been pretty high on the Cubs recently. How are you feeling right now if you're a Cubs fan? I, I'm feeling pretty good. Now, they just lost you're last night to my the Tigers. second wild card spot. Right. And it's like, it's kind of like we're hot though. Like we're hitting well, you know, we're playing good baseball, our run different, we're scoring runs at a pretty good clip. Of the three wild card teams, you have the highest run differential. Yes. And so I'm feeling okay. Now, am I, I mean, 
in no war in no world can they be complacent. I mean, Marcus Stroman might not pitch against the, again this season. Exactly, and that's a problem because Justin Steele's been great, but the question is, you know, Hendricks hasn't been, you know, rock solid. Drew Smiley has not been rock solid. Jamison Tayon is pitching today and he has not been rock solid. So it's like their pitching, their starting pitching in particular is a problem, but there's a lot of excitement. And again, what I think the Cubs, what they got going for them is every home game from now to the end of the season is going to be a playoff atmosphere. And so that's going to be intimidating for whoever's coming into Wrigley from here on out. All right, so let's move to the next team, the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're the hottest of the wild card teams, eight and two over their last 10 games. They're the only wild card contender right now who has claimed a spot with a negative run differential. How are you feeling if you're a Diamondbacks fan? Are you, are you still feeling that pretty good? I think we're in a good spot, or do you have a different feeling about them? Well, they're a team that at this point last week, they were on the outside looking in. And they've gotten hot over the weekend. They've won four in a row. And now all of a sudden they're back in the conversation. I still think they, they don't, they don't, I don't think they have necessarily the Cy Young winner on their team, but you know, Zach Gallen pitched last night and he's going to be a top finalist for the Cy Young. I think they're pit, you know, I think that's a, that's a big deal when they can run him out there every five days, they still have Merrill Kelly going on a regular basis. I mean, their pitching is okay. I just, when I compare it, like I, I would rather be the Diamondbacks right now than the Giants and the Reds. Ooh. I just, this, the Reds, even though, again, they're still right there. They're just a half game back. The momentum is seemed to, sl- I mean, slipped from the, the Reds peaked almost too soon. It seems like someone let the air out of the tires when the Reds. Yeah, it was like, it was like we were ready to give the Reds the division championship yeah. two, two and a half, three weeks ago. And now all of a sudden it's like they haven't really made up any ground. They're just kind of floating there. And so anyway, I just literally they're five and five over their last 10. I, if I'm like, okay, Phillies, I think are rock solid. I love what the Cubs are doing. It's that third spot. It could probably go. I wouldn't be shocked if the Marlins find a way to be that team at the end when it's all said and done. They're only one game back. I mean, really there's six teams in the NL wildcard race right now that are right there. Yeah. The Marlins, the Giants, the Reds, they're all on the outside looking in, but they're only at most a game out of the wild card. Exactly. The Cubs, Diamondbacks holding on by a shred. The Phillies, Giants are playing each other right now, and Phillies putting a little bit of distance between them and the Giants. But again, this is all stuff that can be you know, changed pretty quickly with, with a weekend or a week's worth of games. Nothing better for baseball, I think. Then we get to the end. We get to the last day of the season, and we have four teams tied for three spots. And you got a play-in game that there determines. is no play-in game this year. Oh, there isn't. They did away with They're those. They're going tiebreakers. Oh, that's stupid. I'm sorry. All right, so just popped your balloon. Rob, Rob, sorry about that. Rob Manfred would do that. Sorry. Uh, okay, so let's let's move to the American League. I want to look at a divisional race real quick. Two of them actually in the American League. Okay. How you feeling if you're the Orioles? You're two games up in the division. Yeah. The Rays are seven and three over their last ten. They have a significantly greater run differential, plus one sixty nine. The Orioles are just plus seventy six. How you feeling if you're the Orioles right now? Are you feeling comfortable or are you a little nervous? So we talked about this a little bit last week, given the week that the Rays had last week, and you'd be like, 
I'm feeling pretty good if I'm the Orioles. And I should still be feeling pretty good. But the Rays didn't get the memo that Wander Franco's on administrative leave and Shane McClanahan's not coming back. You know, they called up Basabi, and Basabi's been pretty darn good since he got called up to play short. Tyler Glass now is pitching like a Cy Young winner right now. I don't know, man. I, I you you want to think that the Orioles would feel good in that division, but Tampa Bay just might, you know, do what Tampa Bay does and just be a pest and hang around and win that division. Yeah, they very. I well don't know, could. and so I've just been surprised. And again, given what we now know about Wander Franco and maybe the the toxic atmosphere that he kind of cu- travels with him to get him out of the locker room completely may have improved things. Yeah. As far as the team is considered, we don't, I, we don't know, but I just, I don't feel as good as I think I should if I'm the Orioles. All right. So let's go to the AL West. We'll we'll talk about the Rays when we get to the wild card, the Rangers, you talked about them in your, in your good and bad. They are atop the AL West and have a half game lead over the Astros and a one game lead over the Mariners. How are you feeling if you're the Rangers? You're three and seven you, over your last ten. Can you tell me what's the run, what's the different what's the what's the tiebreaker? Do we know? I believe it is home record. Okay. Well, I'm actually not sure. Well, okay. Regardless, let's just think about that for a second. If it is home record, if I'm the Texas Rangers in any tiebreaker scenario, I'm feeling pretty good. Actually, it's head to head. Okay. Well, then so I it would don't know. be like if you know if it's a tie between the Rangers and Astros who it's won who, the yeah, season yeah, series. Okay. So yeah, I don't know the I don't know the breakdown of those 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 particular standing uh, those particular uh, yeah, numbers or whatever. If I'm the Rangers and knowing where I was two weeks ago and I had a three game lead and now I'm got not only got a half game lead but a one game lead over the third place team, obviously I feel much tighter. <sighs> Are the Mariners going to exhaust themselves though? <laughs> like we are playing themselves back into contention. I mean, they're playing hot baseball right now, but again, there's some, there's some big time. There's, there's going to be some big time battles in this division down the stretch. All right. How are you feeling? If you're an angels fan, you're 11 games back in the division, 10 games in the wild card. Are you wringing your hands in frustration, anxiety, and like help? Or do you think, you could still make a run at the wild card or the division given how tangled everything is up at the top. I don't think so. I don't know how they make back 10 games. You think they're done? I think they're done. D O N E done. I just don't. Mike Trout comes back. He is back. He is back. I don't even understand why they're bringing him back. Uh, I know they got to try to sell tickets and stuff, but the angels are out of this discussion and it's too bad. It's, it really is too bad for the American league East because I don't think Boston's part of this discussion either. I mean, and they are because they're only five games back, but I don't, I don't think there's just, there's just not enough seats at the table here for Boston to be relevant. All right. So, so let's, that's a good segue over to the wild card. So the Rays have a four and a half game lead in the wild card. Yep. I think if you're the Rays, you're feeling pretty good. You're making a run. Yes. You're getting hot. I'm not even you, worried about the wild card. I'm just like, I want to chase down the Orioles if I'm the Rays. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Astros, they're a half game up on the wild card. They're right in there for the, the division. Both the Astros and Mariners are, are right there, not only for the AL West, but for the wild card. I mean, it's a very strong possibility we could have three AL West teams in the playoff picture for the American League. Between the Astros and Mariners, which one are you feeling better about if you're a fan or a GM or a player? I'm going to go back to last season 
last season we were having this exact same discussion. The Mariners and the Astros were duking it out for the division in the AL West, and both of the both of them made the playoffs. I think the Mariners quickly got swept out of the playoffs, and the Astros made a run. I, you know, kind of using your take from last week or your your term from last week. If you're the Mariners, you got to keep showing me something. You got to show me that you can close the deal. Yeah. Uh, the Astros, they've got um, longevity on their side. That we've been here. We know how to win these games. We know how to win games in September. And until proven otherwise, we have to assume that Dusty Baker and the crew is going to figure it out. And so it's like, you're the new guys. You're the young guns. You got Cal Raleigh. You got Julio Rodriguez. You got the young arms in the rotation. You guys got to go show them that you can beat them. And until that happens, I mean, I still am taking the Astros to win that division. That's a great segue into our last segment as we look ahead to this upcoming weekend. Batting cleanup. And as we look ahead to this upcoming weekend, two of my matchups are the the theme is this. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Because there are two series where teams way out of the wild card, way out of the division picture, could really mess some stuff up in the division and wild card races in the American League. Two matchups. So the AL West, Houston and Seattle, they go and play Detroit and Kansas City, respectively. Those should be series victories, if not sweeps, in my opinion. However, Detroit and Kansas City have a knack for being pesky. And as you mentioned earlier, Tigers are playing some good baseball. Got some young players up and about that are making some moves. Kansas City, they have some young players. They got some pitchers that can can spin the ball pretty good, not named Zach Granke. And so you just, what's going to happen this weekend? Houston goes to Detroit. Seattle goes to Kansas City. I have a feeling that by the time we come back to record next week, one of those teams is going to be further back in the wild card because unknowingly they're going to roll into town thinking they're going to sweep these people and they're going to get swept. I, I agree. So those are two series I'm looking at from a spoiler alert perspective. I like that. What do you got? So in not quite in the same vein, because these are, there are two series that I have my eyes on where all of them are in playoff contention. Okay. Uh, some two of them, are in the playoffs. Atlanta goes to San Francisco. All right. San Francisco's got to win some games. And it again, like most teams in Major League Baseball, when you need to win some games, you don't want Atlanta coming to town. That is true. And so San Francisco has to, you know, to try to stay in the thick of it, you know, they got to win. And they got a tall task this weekend. Boston, who we just talked about, They're five games out of the wild card. If they're going to give their last charge at a playoff spot, they got to do it against the Dodgers. (laughs) The Dodgers are coming to town. And so you got the two Goliaths in the National League facing facing teams that aren't bad, but Atlanta and LA don't really care how well you might be playing. No. They're just going to come in and they're just going to do what they do. The Dodgers are not intimidated by the big green monster. No. And it's like, it just feels, and again, we got an interleague matchup there, but it just feels like the national league playoffs. 
you almost feel like the Dodgers and the Braves are on a collision course that's going to result in them in the NLCS. Hmm. Now, we might be surprised, but that's where we're headed. Yeah. And until somebody shows that they can beat them, I don't know why we would assume otherwise. So, so yeah, San Francisco and Boston are on red alert this weekend. All right. Two other series just to keep an eye on Cincinnati Reds and Arizona Diamondbacks. They're both in the hunt as well, both in the hunt for wild card spots. They both need to win this series badly and they both love to steal bases. Yeah. We're not going to do an over under on (laughs) stolen bases again. (laughs) Yeah. We've learned our lesson this time around. They're in Arizona, not in Cincinnati. The other series that was intriguing to me, just for those people that are still holding out hopes that the angels could make a run, they play the Mets this weekend. Oh boy. And then they go play the Phillies next weekend. Moratorium on all angels talk moving forward. (laughs) If the angels are going to, I mean, I think this is the weekend that we either stop talking about them in playoff contention or we're like, dude, did you see what the Angels did this past weekend? I mean, yeah. they swept the Mets and swept the Bray or, uh, you know, swept the Mets and swept the Phillies. Yeah. So I think I think this is their defining moment for the season. Take care of your business against the Mets. The Mets are a rebuilding team. They're not a great team handle your business in New York against the Mets and then go handle your business against the Phillies next week. And who knows? The Angels could be right back there in the thick of things. So last one for me in the similar vein to how you let off the team that I said that I think is going to be in the playoffs and no one expects it. No one sees it coming. Chicago Cubs, the Miami Marlins, Oh, Miami Marlins, Miami Marlins are one game back in the wild card. Cincinnati plays Arizona. If either of them, if as long as one of them wins a game, you know, this will help Miami. Uh, the San Francisco Giants, they're also ahead of them in the standings by half a game. They've got the Dodger or they've got the Atlanta Braves coming to town. The Miami Marlins are at home against the Nats. Can one of these teams, I mean, we, it's almost every week I highlight the team that's playing the Nationals and the team that's playing the Nationals can't bother to sweep the series. If Miami can find a way to sweep the series, we'll be coming in next week with Miami in the wild card position. Nice. And so... Sandy Alcantara is going to go this weekend. He's been good. He has been. Yuri you know, Perez twinning, you know, spinning the ball like a like a Sandy Alcantara. Jorge clone. Soler is hitting home runs every other day yeah. for the Miami Marlins. I, can the Marlins do what no one's been able to do so far? Can they go and handle their business at home against the Nationals? They need to be reminded the Nats are pesky, but they are not a good team. Yeah, do what you're supposed to do. And you'll be in the playoffs. And oh, so I'll man. be watching Miami see if they can handle it against the Washington this weekend. So much great baseball coming up this weekend. This this is what we wait for. This is what the hundred and twenty, hundred thirty plus games up to this point bring us to. This point in the season where there is so much up in the air. In the nineties or eighties and the nineties, we always talked about pennant races. This is pennant race season. We don't really we don't talk about that anymore. We got the divisions, we've got wild cards and all that stuff, but this is the joy of the pennant race. Yeah. And it was a big deal, you know, in years gone by in baseball. And we still have all the excitement. We call it different names now, but 
you can't beat this every day. The standings change based off what's going on in the field. Yep. And next week we'll be back to bring you some more updates on what's taking place with the playoff race and kind of give us, you know, give you our temperature check on the teams that are in contention. I hope you'll come back and join us next week. Share this podcast with your friends. Let them know about this conversation we have every week about baseball and all things related to baseball. And until next week, we're out of here.